Mom deserves the best, and there's no better place to shop for Mother's Day than Whole Foods Market. They're your destination for unbeatable savings, from premium gifts to show-stopping flowers and irresistible desserts. Start by saving 33% with Prime on all body care and candles. Then get a 15-stem bunch of tulips for just $9.99 each with Prime. Round out Mom's menu with festive rosé, irresistible berry chantilly cake, and more special treats. Come celebrate Mother's Day at Whole Foods Market. Late today, they're hoping that uh, it's going to peak. Tonight, a flood forecast and now evacu evacuation alerts and orders. Plus, <laughs> a climber with a climbing party fell about 20 meters. Three callouts in 24 hours. How search and rescue helped a stranded group get through a very cold and scary night. And beautiful, accessible dinosaurs. The summer staycation hidden gems many British Columbians may never have experienced. You're watching Global BC. This is Global News Hour at 6. Good evening. Thanks for joining us. We begin with breaking news. A serious crash outside Pemberton. Police are warning the road will be closed for hours as they investigate. Whistler RCMP say Highway 99 at Duffy Lake Road near Mount Curry is closed due to the major collision involving a motorcycle and at least one other vehicle. Four people have been taken to hospital. One is said to be in critical condition. The other three in serious condition. Drivers are asked to avoid the area. The highway, as we mentioned will be closed for a considerable length of time. We will bring you more information when we can. To the flood situation in our province, southern BC and the interior are starting to see the impact of days of heavy rain and a late snow melt. Flood warnings are in place in parts of the province this weekend with some residents ready to leave at a moment's notice. Paul Johnson joins us live from Cache Creek where the Bonaparte River is flowing high and fast. Paul. Hi, Colleen. Just within the past hour here, we saw Mounties going door to door and upgrading that evacuation alert to an order just full for a handful of homes. And as you can see, those are perilously close to the river here. I used to have, yeah, 10, 12 feet of ground behind my trailer. Now I'm down to five. Try to imagine Charlene Gordon's state of mind as she watches the Bonaparte River eat away at the remaining ground between its raging waters and her home. I haven't been sleeping. Times when I do sleep, I'm too scared to even sleep in my bedroom. That's life this weekend for the dozen-odd households in Cash Creek that are most vulnerable. Among the 160 homes in this village prepared to evacuate if the river rises any further. By this time of year, they'd normally expect to be in the clear, but a combination of unseasonal rains and changing conditions here makes life beside the Bonaparte River ever harder to predict. Cache Creek has two watercourses flowing through it, the Cache Creek and the Bonaparte River. Both have seen more flooding in recent years. They're not sure exactly why, but they suspect it might have to do with forest fires and logging that's taken place in the headwaters of those rivers. The problem has become the excess water is cutting new channels in our streams, in our creek and in our river. Wendy Coomber is the spokesperson for the Cache Creek Emergency Operations Center. It eats away the bank and it just makes every succeeding year worse. 
speculation here is that a permanent solution to the new flooding patterns can probably only happen with help from the provincial government. But that's work for another time. By late Sunday afternoon, authorities decided the situation in this Riverside Mobile home park was just too dangerous. And formal evacuation orders were issued. So we just got some info about the thinking behind the evacuation orders here, which only apply to about a dozen homes. And they believe that the river is actually going to hold steady. It's certainly been steady for as long as we've been here most of the afternoon and up until now. But what they're worried about is up north in the headwaters of the Bonaparte River, there could be rain overnight. And if the river was to rise again, they don't want to have to do these evacuations at night. All of the people who are evacuated here, they expect they'll be able to house and feed here in the village of Cash Creek. Colleen? Thanks so much, Paul. Across the province, a flood watch remains in the South and North Thompson Rivers. Some of their tributaries, such as the Blue River, Clearwater River, and Shushwap River, have been downgraded as runoff from the rainfall works its way through the region. A high stream flow advisory has ended for the Salmon River. All that water, though, is headed to the Fraser Valley. The River Forecast Center is maintaining a high stream flow advisory for the lower Fraser. That's from Hope downstream. And as of this morning, the Fraser was said to be at 5.6 meters and rising. Meteorologist Yvonne Shell joins us now. Yvonne, what can we expect going forward? Colleen, we're keeping a very close eye over the next two days. The water level forecast, this is the graph, and one of the models is showing it the peak of it over the next two days. For example, this is at the station in Mission. Another spot for the Fraser River at Hope also showing that. So over the next two days, that seems to be the trend for the areas that are just towards the south. And a quick check on the Bonaparte River near Cache Creek. We'll see the peak of it now. Now, leading in towards tomorrow, and then we'll start to see it ease off. So we are keeping a close eye. There is some instability in the forecast for much of the central and southern interior tomorrow. We are looking at the risk of thunderstorms. More on that coming up very shortly. Colleen? All right. Thanks, Yvonne. A climbing group rescued from a glacier near Squamish this weekend had to spend a cold night outdoors when a member of the party fell some 20 meters. But as Julia Foy reports, that was just one of several rescues this weekend between West Vancouver and Cedar Sky Country. As the clouds lifted on the Tantalus mountain range near Squamish Sunday morning, that was the signal for Squamish Search and Rescue to take to the skies and try to complete a mission to bring a hiker home. A climber with a climbing party fell about 20 meters uh, yesterday evening uh, and was injured. But on Saturday night, the crew couldn't reach the group of five because of dense cloud that ringed Mount Dione. On the last flight that we were uh, able to do, we were able to drop um, a four-person overnight bag to them so that they at least could make a tent and have some warmth and uh, take care of their friend. After an icy night on the glacier, by late morning search and rescue crews had managed to airlift the injured climber. But the woman's journey was far from over. She had to be transferred into an air ambulance to take her to hospital. It's unclear how severe her injuries are. This was just one of three calls that kept Squamish search and rescue busy this weekend. It's hooked up. Release the second time. North Shore search and rescue crews were also called into duty Saturday afternoon and they prepared for a long line rescue. We got a call from BC Ambulance regarding uh, an injured female hiker on Eagle Bluffs. She 
had a back issue, uh, fell on the trail, it's pretty muddy with all the rain we've had, and she wasn't able to walk. So um, we had to take spinal precautions to make sure that uh, we didn't do any further damage. Crews had to scuttle three attempts to rescue the hiker due to heavy cloud. Eventually, after about an hour, we were able to uh, access the subject in long line route by a helicopter. The woman was eventually bundled up and transferred to hospital. This was likely not the day trip she had imagined. Both search and rescue crews have a message for the public. We're always here. We want people to enjoy the outdoors, but we want them to do it safely. Julia Foy, Global News. An update on COVID fatalities at a long-term care facility. There have been three new deaths at the last long-term care home in the Vancouver Coastal Health Region with an ongoing COVID-19 outbreak. Providence Health confirms that as of 2 o'clock Saturday afternoon, six staff members have tested positive. The total number of fatalities at the facility is now eight. On Friday, the province declared an outbreak at the Langley Lodge in the Fraser Healthcare Region. That outbreak had claimed it, claimed it was over, and that outbreak had claimed 25 lives. A bit of an economic break is coming this week to low-income Canadian seniors. Seniors who are eligible for the old age security pension will receive $300. Those eligible for the guaranteed income supplement will receive an additional $200 for a total of $500. The one-time payment will be processed starting Monday and is tax-free. In B.C., close to a million people receive the OAS and about 260,000 are eligible for the GIS. It's meant to ease the financial burden caused by such things as home delivery of groceries during the lockdown, buying takeout meals, or even the reduction of their retirement portfolios due to volatile financial markets. When you are living very close to the line financially, which is about 30% of our seniors, you know, their incomes are under $24,000 a year. It's less than minimum wage. And so even slight increases like I have to get my groceries from the one grocery store now. I can't go around and get the special, get the apples at 39 cents a pound and the oranges at 69 cents a pound. I now have to get them for a dollar fifty-nine a pound. Um, that is not insignificant. And the seniors advocate says the financial burden is added to the burden of isolation and loneliness since seniors are four times more likely to live alone than those under the age of 65. Vancouver-based retailer Aritzia has reached its goal of donating $20 million to its community relief fund. All profits from online sales have gone to support its 3,000 employees and their families. According to owner Brian Hill, no employees have had to be laid off. At the time, our people, a lot of people have worked with us for a long time. They've contributed to our success over the years. And so we thought it was important to continue to support them. It's already happening in Vancouver Parks, but tomorrow night the Park Board will decide whether to officially allow drinking in some green spaces. More than a year and a half after it approved a motion to study alcohol consumption at certain parks and beaches, the Board will consider amending the Drinking in Parks bylaw to allow locals to consume alcohol in specific areas of 10 parks, including Trout Lake, Locarno Beach, New Brighton and Stanley Park. The pilot project would start mid-month and run until Thanksgiving weekend. I think it's going to require, you know, a lot of a lot of information, a lot of education for people to understand where these places are. So it's going to be signage and uh, certainly our, our park rangers. 
Um, I, I would have liked to see uh, a concession component of it as well. I'd like to see people be able to get a cold beer at the beach. Kupar expects, expects the bylaw will pass Monday night, but he says a, chen, a change rather, to provincial legislation is needed before it can be enacted. Vancouver isn't the only city considering open drinking in public spaces. For the past month, Penticton has been allowing the public consumption of alcohol in designated parks and beaches. It's meant to support local businesses during the pandemic. And as Shelby Tom reports, while most people support the initiative, not everyone is on board. Bobby Mueller and her friends traveling to Penticton from the coast to enjoy the Okanagan sunshine and the city's pilot project that allows booze on the beach. People are doing it anyway, so now we just don't have to hide it. For the past month, consumption of alcohol has been allowed in four waterfront parks and beaches along Okanagan Lake. Penticton currently the second jurisdiction behind the city of North Vancouver to allow public drinking. And now that the pilot is coming to an end, staff are recommending it continue until the fall. Of the more than 1,200 people surveyed during the engagement period, 42% strongly support allowing consumption in designated public places. 29% somewhat support the idea, 17% somewhat oppose or are neutral on the subject, and 13% are strongly opposed. The city says there were few problems during the trial run. Campbell Watt, who tabled the initial motion, says the bylaw should be extended to support local alcohol producers amid COVID-19. We are wine country, and uh, with the amount of uh, change there's been in mentality towards alcoholic beverages, whether it's a, a craft beer or a, a nice wine, uh, our, our mentality towards enjoying them needs to change as well. The bylaw supported by the city's seven craft breweries who say it's another positive change in the easing of liquor laws, but it's opposed by Interior Health, which says it may increase the harms associated with alcohol and augment COVID-19 transmission. Councillor Judy Sentez also has reservations because of what she calls inadequate public consultation. It's been a, a very wet and cool June. Uh, and that was the bulk of the time frame for the pilot. I don't think that was indicative at all, um, and so I'm concerned. The staff report goes before mayor and council on Tuesday, at which time elected officials will decide if public drinking in designated spaces will continue for the rest of summer. Shelby Tom, Global News, Penticton. A former B.C. nanny will be back in court this fall to fix a date for sentencing on child sex charges. Jonathan Lee Robichaud of Central Saanich pleaded guilty Friday to eight sex charges involving children, including sexual interference, invitation to sexual touching, making sexually explicit material available to a child under 16, and possessing and making child pornography. The 32-year-old was charged in 2018 after a parent went to police with sexual abuse allegations involving her two sons under the age of 10. A sentencing date for Robichaux will be set in September. A man has been arrested in connection with a series of assaults this morning in Vancouver's Queen Elizabeth Park. The VPD says the man attacked several people before fleeing to Canby Street and West 29th Avenue. He was taken into custody and transported to hospital for assessment. Charges are now pending. The area was closed to traffic as officers investigated but has since reopened. No word on any injuries. A small BC school is changing the name and logo of its sports teams after concerns were raised about ties to the American Civil War. The Princeton Rebels historically used a Confederate flag as well as an image of a Confederate soldier on their jerseys. 
In recent years, the school had changed the image but continued to use the name Rebels. A rebel yell was the battle cry used by Confederate soldiers. The school's principal brought concerns forward to the school board and it agreed to allow the students and staff to choose a new name in September. Barkerville, B.C. is apologizing for a recent newspaper ad now pulled from its summer tourism campaign. The historic community known as B.C.'s Gold Rush Town ran an ad stating surviving pandemics since 1862. It may have seemed like clever marketing until a local archaeologist pointed out that a smallpox pandemic that year killed about 60 percent of the province's indigenous population. Barkerville posted an apology on social media stating it was not their intention to appear to be celebrating disease or devastation caused by historical epidemics and it takes full responsibility for the mistake. Well, from exclusive high-end resorts normally reserved for international tourists to affordable family-friendly adventures, BC is enticing locals to stay closer to home this summer. Kristen Robinson has a look at some of the deals, discounts and off-the-beaten-track destinations. Amid eight hectares of untamed luxury in west-central BC, a glacial lake you can drink from, grizzly bears, horse riding, and all the toys you need for nature's playground. You're not likely to see another person for the whole time you're here. The ultimate getaway normally attracts Americans and Europeans. A three-night stay, $29.50 U.S. per person. But with borders closed, the Chilco Experience Wilderness Resort is slashing prices for the first time, hoping to lure locals. This summer we're offering 20% off to British Columbians. We have really wide availability. We hope to see you soon. Cheers. Southeast of the Chilcotin, Kamloops is marketing breweries, wineries and outdoor adventure, with some hotels offering a BC residence rate. On the west coast, Tofino's beaches are wide open. 40 kilometers south, a more rugged, low-key, and sometimes cheaper alternative. Euclid's trails, aquarium, and world-class salmon fishing, all family-friendly. If you're looking for a place to hide out, if you're looking for that spot where, you know, you can have your kid walk around with a mustard state on his t-shirt as he grabs a burger and stuff, definitely, you know, you're, you're very welcomed in our community. In southeastern BC, Cranbrook is a paddler's paradise from flat water to whitewater adventures. That's our proposition, is that we've got those wide open spaces. They're not going to run into crowds here. I mean, we have over like 400 lakes. To the north, Revelstoke boasts some of the best mountain biking trails in BC. And this wild ride is free if you stay two nights or more at select hotels. Beautiful, accessible, dinosaurs, all the waterfalls. In northern BC, Tumbler Ridge's Global Geopark is giving free guided hikes to locals of its waterfalls, rock formations, and prehistoric footprints. But the secret may be out. The amount of BC residents that we've been receiving that have never been to Tumblr Ridge have been crazy. You can even go back more than 200 million years at the local museum's Dinosaur Discovery Gallery. You're truly missing out if you've never been. Kristen Robinson, Global News. 
BC's biggest water park will reopen this week with restrictions in place. Caltus Lake Water Park near Chilliwack welcomes back thrill seekers starting Wednesday, but the park will not be business as usual. There will be two four-hour sessions offered daily, one in the morning, one in the afternoon. It's first come, first serve, as the park is not accepting reservations at this time and capacity is limited. The park will be open rain or shine until September 7th. Police in St. John's, Newfoundland say they are in the early stages of an investigation into a suspicious death. Police found the body of a man when they were called to the scene at around 4 o'clock this morning for reports of unknown trouble. Residents had been asked to shelter in place as police canvassed the neighborhood. A few details have been released at this time and there is no word of a suspect. Maritimers are enjoying being able to move freely between the four provinces known as their Atlantic bubble. On Friday, the first day of the bubble opening, officials say more than 17,500 personal and commercial vehicles entered New Brunswick. The Nova Scotia government says 7,700 personal vehicles traveled from that province, while another 1,500 crossed the Confederation Bridge from Prince Edward Island. Residents of Nova Scotia, New Brunswick, Newfoundland and Labrador and PEI can now travel to any of the other three provinces without self-isolating for 14 days when they arrive. In Prince Edward Island, which hadn't seen a case since last April, five people have now tested positive. Two new cases today. They're close contacts of one of three new cases reported Saturday. The new cases are not connected to the opening of the Atlantic bubble. Contact tracing is underway. There's no indication of an increased risk, but residents are being asked to remain vigilant. Two American visitors are facing charges after they were caught by Ontario Provincial Police for violating the Federal Quarantine Act. Police say the man and woman from Minnesota entered Canada via the Fort Francis crossing on June 24th and were told to drive directly to their destination and self-isolate for 14 days. But the pair was spotted making stops in the town of Fort Francis. They were charged with failure to comply with an order prohibiting the entry into Canada and face a fine of $1,000. Fort Francis is about two and a half hours east of the Manitoba border. The United States still has the most infections and deaths. 2.8 million cases and nearly 130,000 people have died. And tonight, as Jennifer Johnson reports, experts are already warning things could get worse. The White House lit up in red, white and blue as Americans celebrate the country's independence. U.S. President Donald Trump, ignoring health experts' warnings about large gatherings, addressed a crowd in Washington. COVID-19 cases are surging in over 30 states, but the president is predicting a quick resolution to the pandemic. We are unleashing our nation's scientific brilliance and will likely have a therapeutic and or vaccine solution long before the end of the year. This holiday has looked very different. Some beaches closed, others packed with people desperate to get back to normal life. The governor of New Jersey, once part of three states that were the epicenter of the virus, is worried about a new wave of cases. We're starting to see a, a, a small spikes in reinfection from folks coming back from places like Myrtle Beach and, and as well as in Florida, other hot spots. To me, it says we need a national strategy. We're only as strong as our weakest link right now. New cases of the virus are breaking records almost daily in Florida, Arizona, California and Texas. A month ago, one in 10 people were testing positive. Today, it's one in four. 
President Trump says 99% of COVID-19 cases are totally harmless, but his own medical experts refuse to defend that unfounded claim. I'm not going to get into who's right and who's wrong. We have data in the White House task force. Those data show us that this is a serious problem. The pandemic isn't the only problem the president is facing right now. There are reports Trump was briefed in February about a suspected Russian bounty program paying the Taliban to kill U.S. soldiers in Afghanistan. The president of the United States has demonstrated absolutely callous disregard for the safety and security of American forces in a war zone. Several members of Congress, both Republicans and Democrats, are demanding an investigation. The House Committee on Foreign Affairs will grill Secretary of State Mike Pompeo on the allegations this week. Jennifer Johnson, Global News, Washington. We have an update on a story we first brought you last night. One of two people struck by a car on the I-5 in Seattle while protesting early yesterday morning has died. And a warning, some of the images in this story are disturbing. 24-year-old Summer Taylor died at Harborview Medical Center. Another person remains in serious condition in the ICU. The two were thrown into the air when a car drove around a series of vehicles blocking off the interstate, then plowed into a crowd of protesters. The 27-year-old driver was taken into custody and is facing several charges. Washington State Patrol is trying to determine if this was a targeted attack. Parts of Russia are experiencing unusually high temperatures this year, and that's causing wildfires in Siberia and impacting an annual tradition. Have a look. Eager skiers headed to a Russian resort on Saturday to ride down a snow-covered slope. Dozens in swimsuits took part in the tradition in 30 degrees Celsius weather. The snow was prepared and stored from February. Now, usually it can last up to three days, but due to this year's high temperatures, this year's ski season is shorter. And then there's this. It snowed in several places in Norway this first of July. Ice and snow covered cars in, in a tourist lodge and uh, the mountains 145 miles northwest of Oslo. Uh, the weather forced some tourists to cancel or modify their outdoor plans, no doubt. Heavy rain triggered deadly flooding and mudslides in southern Japan today. At least 34 people are confirmed or presumed dead, including some from elderly care home facilities. Others are stranded on rooftops waiting to be rescued. More than 75,000 residents were ordered out of their homes following pounding rain overnight. Mudslides slash, smashed into houses and floodwaters carried uprooted trees. Sitting on the couch has never been more exhilarating. Why this stunt, however, is particularly scary. We're going to have that for you right after Yvonne's forecast. But first, have a look at this. A tornado spotted yesterday afternoon near Woodrow, Saskatchewan. That's about two hours southwest of Regina. Environment Canada had issued tornado warnings in the region. No word on any major damage or injuries, fortunately. In southern Ontario, a heat warning remains in effect. People are looking for ways to cool off, make many flocking to local swimming pools, but they're not open to full capacity due to pandemic measures. Temperatures in Toronto are expected to reach above 30 midweek, and with the Humidex, that could feel like the low 40s. Here it's feeling like the low 40s 
Fahrenheit. <laughs> Absolutely. We haven't quite gotten there yet. It seems to be a bit reversed. We had the nicer weather earlier on. It was cold for them. Uh, but it is. it has been warmer for a few spots in the interior, pushing closer to 30 degrees. And I'll show you that in just a moment. But beach weather today, many out enjoying the sunshine. Temperatures currently sitting at 19 degrees with a light southwesterly wind at 11 kilometers per hour. And the weather picture this weekend has been beautiful. This was a fantastic shot taken by Stephen Blue Mountain Winery in Okanagan Falls. The numbers today, so the interior bumping closer to 30 degrees near a Soyuz, Cranbrook, 24. It was pleasant for Kamloops today up to 28 in areas near the central interior topping out at 20 degrees. Now we are still looking at some instability early this evening. That's for the northeastern corners of the province. A few lightning strikes, even still a few a risk of a thunderstorm. It is going to taper off overnight and then pick up once again for all areas across the central and southern interior through the day tomorrow. Futurecast putting it into play. The skies are going to clear out across the south coast. Clear skies, very calm winds. We do have some fog for the morning hours and then it is going to dissipate as we get in towards the afternoon with the mix of sun and cloud and then the instability is going to pick up for the afternoon for all areas across the central and southern half of the province. So a heads up, we are looking at very windy conditions near the thunderstorms with potential for rain and very windy conditions as well. Here's a glance overnight so that fog developing for the early morning hours will down to 12 degrees by tomorrow afternoon, 19. A few spots away from the water will still climb into the low 20s, but not as warm as what we're seeing today. Once again, the flood concern with the flood warning in effect for the upper Fraser River, Quinnell River, the Bonaparte River included within that and the flood watch extends in towards the northeastern corners for areas near the peace. So we're keeping a close eye with the water levels. The forecast expected to peak over the next two days. The northern half of the province with more cloud cover, a few isolated showers creeping in inland, especially near Terrace. Risk of a thunderstorm, so a very similar weather picture for the northeastern corners, all areas included within the peace. Central interior tomorrow will hang on to that cloud cover, instability, highs into the low 20s, and then much of the southern interior, so a very different weather picture picture for tomorrow, but temperatures still climbing up a hot one for the southern Okanagan getting up to 29 and the central region as well. Whistler will see some bright spots, highs closer to 20 degrees. All areas across the south coast will be seeing a nice dry start to the morning, fog especially for areas that are closer to the water. For the island, the northern and eastern half will be seeing more cloud cover for the day. Victoria will be included within that, but it should remain dry, so that's the silver lining with the cloud cover. Metro Vancouver highs tomorrow away from the water, getting up to 22 degrees. It'll be a touch cooler over the next few. We are going to see some cloud cover rolling in late in the day on Tuesday night and Wednesday night and just a slight chance to see some isolated showers in the mix. Tomorrow, pleasant with highs up to 19. Colleen? All right. Thanks so much, Yvonne. Okay. This takes couch surfing to new heights. This is Turkish paragliding instructor Hassan Kaval getting a unique vantage point of the Turkish Riviera. He packed along his slippers and had a TV and remote control along for the ride, of course. Kaval and his friends created a special couch for this flight. But you may have noticed he's not wearing any kind of safety harness while hanging out on his couch, eating snacks and sipping a Coke. Holy Curious about the backpack as well. Is that? It's just there may be a parachute in there. Maybe or some more snacks. Who knows? You know, I drop the remote once in a while. Don't want to drop. (laughs) No kidding. (laughs) 
don't no. get a second chance. No, no, no kidding. Barry, what do you got coming up? Uh, well, we didn't think there'd be any issue with the NHL returning to ice. They're just uh, finalizing all the details of their return to play. And once they kind of uh, ratify it, uh, players have to vote on it, then I think we'll finally get a schedule still tentative uh, for the actual game schedule. So we'll fill you in on that. And uh, good payday for Adam Hadwin on the PGA Tour. Didn't win, but you don't have to win to make a lot of money. Wow, I should have taken up golf. <laughs> yeah. We know the elderly and those with underlying health conditions are particularly vulnerable to COVID-19. Still, the majority of people who get the virus will survive. But doctors are now discovering that for many who land in hospital, the road to recovery is paved, paved with immense challenges. For nearly three weeks, 48-year-old Selena Hafiz lay in a New York hospital unconscious and on a ventilator. The Florida mother was visiting her sick father in New York and likely got the coronavirus from him. I texted my husband and I said, I'm not feeling well. If something happened, don't come to New York, no matter what, that you have to be there for the kids. That text message was one of the last things she remembers before going to the hospital. I started to cry that day knowing that now my sister was so good a week ago and now she's in this condition. But Selena is a fighter. She was able to get off the ventilator and out of the hospital. But what she and her family didn't realize was that the fight was far from over. She couldn't talk. She, her memory wasn't there. Doctors are now learning that recovery for COVID patients can take months, especially for those who have been on ventilators. We very quickly realized that these patients had very specific impairments that we had to take care of. So weak, they suffer lasting effects, including trouble walking, talking, swallowing, and memory loss. We've just never seen the volume of patients like this. We've never had a unit full of people in their 40s and 50s, uh, so debilitated and so disabled. Dr. Susan Mautzer, Chair of Physical Medicine and Rehabilitation at Glen Cove Hospital in Long Island, New York, says it's part of a condition called post-ICU syndrome. Are these patients going to be left with lifelong issues? I don't know if it'll be lifelong. A lot of our patients are experiencing nerve damage, specifically these patients. Um, it will take a long time for them to heal a lot. Dr. Mauser says a combination of physical, neurological, and occupational therapy is helping patients, like Selena, make progress. It's a long road ahead. I'm still not myself. I get tired very, very fast to go up the stairs, to come down the stairs, and it's, it's hard. Nearly two months after being released from the hospital, Selena is still in New York as her body continues to heal from a disease that still has so many unknowns. COVID, it's not something to play with. It's like a monster living in your body. Dr. John Torres, NBC News. Barry's here with a look at sports and there's some NHL news. Mm -hmm. Just uh, some detail work to be uh, to be worked out and finalized, but all good news, I think. Thanks, Colleen. Well, it never figured to, to be a stumbling block to prevent a return to play, but the NHL and the NHL Players Association have finalized a tentative agreement for phases three and four in their return to play protocols. Phase three is training camps, which will open July 13th. Phase four is the actual games, which will likely start in early August. Still no set dates on those yet. They are still working on 
finalizing a six-year extension on the collective bargaining agreement as well. But that is also expected to be done soon. All has to be ratified by the players. But as mentioned, not expecting any snags as the NHL tries to get back on ice in the next four weeks. Adam Hadwin was not really in contention to win this weekend's PGA stop in Detroit, the Rocket Mortgage Classic. But like Mackenzie Hughes did last week, Hadwin put the pedal down on the final two holes to fatten his paycheck considerably and produce his third top five finish of the PGA season. Hadwin did not give himself a whole lot of birdie chances early on in the round, but made some nice scrambles to keep him around the top 20. And then this on the par 5-17th from 250, fairway medal in hand. Look at that shot. When they start walking, you know they like it. Seven and a half feet away, sets up the eagle putt. And he would knock that down for Eagle to get him to 15 under. Then he birdied the 18th as well, finished tied fourth, made 300,000. Now, had he been in the 20s, probably make 75,000. So that's a 225K difference. What a finish for Hadwin, who's now 32nd in the FedEx standings. Meanwhile, big bruising Bryson DeChambeau started the day three shots off the lead, but quickly made it up. He was bombing it, but his putter was the difference today. Birdied three of his first four holes to overtake Matthew Wolf for the lead. Wolf, who's just 21, needed this 54-foot bomb for birdie on the fourth to get back into a tie with DeChambeau. But the uh, 21-year-old Wolf had an erratic final round. Six birdies, but five bogeys. Meanwhile, DeChambeau kept converting his chances at the 10th, 22 feet away, and goes down for birdie, 21 under, four-shot lead at that point. Wolf did make a final run on the back. He's got that corky trigger on his swing, but it works. Sticks this one to two feet, made birdie. He would cut the DeChambeau lead to just one, but he could not catch Burley Bryson, who made some key distance putts down the stretch, 30 feet away at 16. And he's pumped about that one. Got uh, the lead back up to two. DeChambeau just overpowered the course and the competition. Second shot at seven from 232. That's an eight iron. Ridiculous. Uses those Popeye arms to crush it onto the green. An easy two-putt birdie. And then at 18, after a 367-yard drive, shows his touch. A beautiful approach here from 98 yards out to just three and a half feet. Got to back up the uh, bombs with some great short game, and he certainly had that. Then closes the deal with another birdie. Bryson DeChambeau fires a 7-under 65 low round of the day. Wins at 23-under, three shots better than Matthew Wolf. DeChambeau's sixth career PGA Tour title in just three years on tour. Formula One with its first race of the year. The Austrian Grand Prix drivers showing their support for the Black Lives Matter movement and to put a stop to racism. Of course, no fans in the stands. Canada's Lance Stroll qualified ninth, but bad luck. Forced to retire after 21 laps due to mechanical uh, problems. Disappointing for him. The other Canadian, 25-year-old rookie Nicholas Latifi, finished 11th. Ten laps to go. Lewis Hamilton being pushed hard by Alexander Albin for second. Albin gets by Hamilton, who then nudges him. Hamilton got a five-second time penalty for his actions, and that would drop him from second to fourth. Five laps to go. Charles Leclerc charging hard for a podium finish. Great drive here on Sergio Perez. Leclerc moving into third, but would be bumped up to second thanks to the penalty on Lewis Hamilton. Pole sitter Valtteri Bottas uh, cruising to victory. Wouldn't be caught. Takes the opening F1 race from Spielberg, Austria. Leclerc second. 20-year-old Lando Norris 
but first podium of his career for the young Brit. They will stay in Austria for another race next weekend. NASCAR Cup Series uh, from the road course at Indy Motor Speedway, the Brickyard 400, lap 15, and a wreck in the pits. Chain reaction crash, and a member of Ryan Blaney's pit crew gets hit, taken to hospital with a leg injury, but it wasn't serious. It could have been much worse, thankfully not. To the race, Kevin Harvick in the number four Ford Mustang. Great pass on the inside to get by Denny Hamlin. They both won a race last weekend, dueling again today as they have all year. Seven to go now. Hamlin leading after Harvick's last pit stop, and Hamlin slams hard into the wall. This is a track very hard on the tires. His race is over. It's not one at the Brickyard. He was okay, but certainly disappointed. So they restart with three to go. Harvick on the lead, and he shoots out to a big lead and would take the checkered flag for the third time at the Brickyard, including back-to-back years. Fourth win of the year for Harvick, who continues to lead the driver's points race as well. EPL today, Premier League champions Liverpool hosting Aston Villa. Liverpool clobbered 4-0 by Man City just three days ago. You can imagine the motivation uh, not that high right now for Liverpool. Took 71 minutes to get the lead, but Sadio Mane converting the low cross. It's 1-0 for the Reds, and they got a late goal from substitute Curtis Jones in the 89th as Liverpool does keep alive its bid to finish the Premier League season with a perfect home record. 17 straight home wins, first as the Premier League champs. They beat relegation-threatened Aston Villa 2-0. Man City coming off that 4-0 thrashing, as mentioned, of Liverpool taking on 14th place Southampton. City ripe for a letdown, and that's what happened. Check out this. Southampton's Che Adams catches City goalkeeper Edison way off his line from 40 yards out. It's a perfect shot. The only goal of the match, Southampton shocks Man City 1-0. Yvonne and Barry are back. Time for our nightly thank you to our BC Healthcare heroes. Yvonne, who is it tonight? Tonight we are honoring Dr. Sadiq Abdullah. Dr. Abdullah is an obstetrics anesthesiologist at BC Women's Hospital. He provides pain relief to women in labor as well as surgical anesthesia for emergency situations to save a mom and baby's life. The COVID-19 pandemic has forced Sadiq and the BC Women's teams to dissect every aspect of how they can work and how they can safely deliver care. Giving birth during the pandemic is a lonely experience. Family members have been unable to provide the support to women in labor and the postpartum period that they otherwise would have been able to do. Sadiq and his team have filled this void by offering a hand to hold or words of encouragement. Thank you, Dr. Sadiq Abdullah and your team at BC Women's Hospital. If you have a healthcare hero to nominate, email us a few pictures to bchealthcareheroes at globalnews.ca and tell us why they are your hero. Something we often don't think about. It's like, yeah, you're going to deliver your baby and, you know, you have all those images of what it's Mm -hmm. normally like. Not like that anymore. Mm -hmm. Oh, that's amazing. Well, good for for Dr. Sadiq. That's great. Um, There is supposed to be a presidential election in the U.S. this November. You might have heard about this. And now there may be a new contender. Musical artist Kanye West says he plans to run for the job. In a tweet, he says, we must now realize the promise of America by trusting God, unifying our vision and building our future. I'm running for president of the United States. His announcement was quickly endorsed by Tesla CEO Elon Musk, who says the 43-year-old has his full support. It's unclear if West has filed the necessary paperwork to enter the race this year. 
West is apparently making good on a promise that he made five years ago when he said during the 2015 MTV Video Music Awards that he would run. So? Be interested to see the debates, that's for sure. Yeah. <laughs> I think the ratings would be high. Yes, people would tune in. November. That's a wrap. No. That's that's a wrap. All right. Thanks. <laughs> thanks, you guys, for weighing in. Uh, that is the news hour of tonight. We have confirmation that one person has died uh, in that crash outside of Pemberton. Jordan will be here at 11 o'clock with more details. Thanks for joining us. Have a good night.